I began to follow Jesus seriously in the 1970s. Back then, I thought of it as a decision. I have decided to follow Jesus, I sang, no turning back. But over time, I came to realize that it was more a case of Jesus drawing me after him. I worked the midnight shift at a fast food restaurant and started reading the Gospels during my breaks. Their stories of Jesus calling the disciples to drop everything and follow him caught my attention and eventually captured my heart. In the early days of my new life, it didn't dawn on me that church was also part of the package. Our family didn't attend, and now that I thought of myself as a Christian, it seemed unnecessary to me. I had Jesus in the Bible. I had made friends with others who shared my faith. Why ruin it all by adding church into the mix? I had visited a few churches in the past. With its unfamiliar people and odd music, the experience was more uncomfortable than anything else. We stood and sat, stood and sat, and then a man got up and lectured us about things I didn't really understand. But after I became a follower of Jesus, I started regularly attending because someone told me it was what Christians do. The music was still strange to me, but the lectures made more sense now that I was reading the Bible. I've been going to church ever since, though not always with enthusiasm. The music and the people still seem odd to me at times, but I've come to see the church as an essential part of my Christian life. We often talk about the church as if it were a location. We say, we're going to church. We point to a steepled building that we call the church on the corner. We think of church as a place to go to worship. But the Bible speaks differently. On the one hand, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 18, the Apostle Paul describes how the Corinthian believers come together as church. According to this, church is something we do. It is the act of coming together as those who worship and follow Jesus Christ. On the other hand, the Apostle also speaks of church as an identity. Church is what we are. It is a community of those who belong to Christ. For example, later in his letter, Paul brings greetings from Aquila and Priscilla, two of his friends and colleagues, and from the church that meets at their house. This is the same letter that he addresses to the Church of God at Corinth. So a church is not a building, but an assembly of believers. A church is a community of faith. When you read Paul's references to the church in the New Testament, you find that he sometimes refers to it in the singular and at other times in the plural. He speaks of the church and also of the churches. These are the church's two primary modes. One is broad and the other is narrow. On its most expansive level, there is only one church, made up of all believers at all times and in all places. This church is not confined to what is seen. It spans heaven as well as earth and includes both the living and the dead. It is also evident from the way Paul writes that there are many churches. This is the other mode of the church. It is local and consists of individual congregations made up of those who profess faith in Christ. 
These local assemblies each have their own distinctive makeup, personality, and style, and may sometimes differ on points of doctrine or practice. As a result, the New Testament can speak both of the church and the churches without contradiction. Irenaeus, the second-century bishop of Lyon, characterized the church as a paradise in the world. The book of Acts provides a snapshot of what life was like in the early church. According to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Luke describes what on the surface might sound like a utopian community. They shared their possessions, and their meetings were characterized by gladness and sincerity. Yet the New Testament also paints a realistic portrait of church life. There we find people who are much like us, forgiven sinners who sometimes fight and complain, but are still traveling the way of Christ together with the help of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, we see some of the real-world flaws of this remarkable community. We discover that some of its members were hypocrites. We learn that the church's first significant organizational change took place because some of its members were being neglected, possibly due to cultural prejudice. And we observe how reluctant the church initially was to accept the newly converted Paul because of his former life. Its members struggled with jealousy and ethnic prejudice. Some New Testament Christians were upset after they heard that Peter had met and dined with Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas had so sharp a disagreement that they each went their separate ways. Some preachers who taught needed further doctrinal instruction, and Paul warned that others would become false teachers. really need the church? The Bible's answer is an emphatic yes. One reason is that the assembled church provides a unique context for worship. When Christians come together as church, they do so to worship God through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 19-22 says that those who are in Christ are fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. They are a kind of temple built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. All who belong to Christ are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. One of the primary reasons, then, why Christians come together is to experience the reality of God's presence through worship. Another reason the church gathers is to hear the word of God taught. When Acts chapter 2 verse 43 gives a snapshot of the life of the early church, it says that the first disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Christians meet together to study God's word, to know how to be the church when they go their separate ways. A church is a community bound together by what Jesus Christ has done and what it has been taught. On the one hand, the Word of God is the foundation that establishes the church. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Because of this, the church is also an agent of truth that proclaims God's Word to the world. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, the Apostle Paul describes the church as the pillar and ground of the truth. 
Long before social media adopted the language of connection to refer to relationships enacted in the digital realm, the Apostle Paul expressed the idea more concretely by calling the church a body made up of members who have been joined to one another through Christ. The church is a place where we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. God's Spirit has empowered every believer to contribute to the well-being of the other members. Instead of losing our individual identity and disappearing into the whole, each of us has a distinctive function in the church. Every member adds value to the church, even those who do not seem to add value. Christ has arranged the church this way, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Therefore, Christians come together as church to worship God, hear the word of God proclaimed, and care for one another. Then they each go their way to represent God's interests in the world around them. Although there are many organizations that work for the betterment of the world, three things set the church apart from every other institution. First, the church is a community where God uniquely manifests his presence. It is the dwelling of God by the Spirit. Second, the church is a believing community that both hears and proclaims the word of God. It is through the church that God spreads the good news of forgiveness through Christ. Third, the church is a community of servants, empowered by God to represent his interests in the world. Anyone who has visited a church knows that it is still a work in progress. God has given Christ's righteousness to the church as a gift, but our practice of that righteousness is not yet perfect. Those who claim that there are hypocrites in the church are right. No congregation is everything that it should be. But there is more to the church than our experience of it. An essential discipline of the Christian life is learning how to view the church through the eyes of faith. We learn to look beyond our disappointments and take God at his word. All that God says of the church is true. This faith-driven approach to church life does not deny or explain away its problems, just the opposite. Most of the New Testament was written in an effort to apply the truth of God's word to the failures and inconsistencies of the church. So how does one find their place in the church? The starting point is to recognize that union with Christ also unites us to the church. The same faith that is the door to a relationship with God through Jesus Christ is also our entrance pass into the church. We must also recognize the importance of intentionality. Scripture urges Christians to study the art of being a church. Belonging to the church comes automatically, but behaving like the church takes learning and practice. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 use the vocabulary of thoughtful reflection when it tells us to consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The closer we get to Christ's return, the more we need 
the church. 